Welcome to the Women Shifting Gears podcast, where we talk to some of the most dynamic, inspiring, and powerful women who are changing the narrative of what it means to be female in the automotive space. I'm your host, Amanda Busick. They say it might not be easy, but it will be worth it. To all the women out there sitting in the left seat, grab your road snacks. Let's go for a ride. Welcome into your weekly Women Shifting Gears podcast. And if you're in the community, you're very well aware of our excitement and countdown to the inaugural Big Machine Music City Grand Prix in Nashville this August. Well, it was announced that Play Like a Girl is the official charity for the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix Women with Drive Summit. And with that, we welcome in today's podcast, the founder and CEO of Play Like a Girl, Dr. Kimberly Clay. Well, Play Like a Girl is a Nashville-based nonprofit organization working to level the playing field for girls by leveraging the skills gained from sport. This helps prepare young women for male-dominated careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And since its inception in 2004, Play Like a Girl has reached over 25,000 young girls. Dr. Clay, we thank you for your commitment to changing the lives of young women around you. Well, it is very exciting to make this announcement along with the Women Shifting Gears community. It has been announced that Play Like a Girl is going to be the official charity for the Big Machine Grand Prix Women with Drive Summit. I know uh, a lot of this audience has been part of these virtuals that we're doing along to promote the upcoming IndyCar race in Nashville. So uh, part of that excitement is going to be with the founder of Play Like a Girl, Dr. Kimberly Clay joins us on Women Shifting Gears. Hello, Dr. Kim. Hello. So happy to be here and so happy to be a part of what Women With Drive will be doing in our city here in Nashville in just a couple of weeks. And Dr. Kim, when you think of all of the logistics that must go into a a partnership like this, I want to go, how did this uh, relationship first begin? Well, I was invited uh, to participate in one of the shifting women shifting gears um, um, virtuals and I was absolutely floored, you know, one, because of the depth in the conversation, you know, women who support motorsport and understand, you know, that we belong in the sport um, just as much as our guys. Uh, That's been a long time message for us with our girls at Play Like a Girl, because, you know, it's important for girls to see themselves as, you know, in these places where women are underrepresented. And the conversation on the virtual was, you know, just confirmation of everything that we stand for, everything that we message with our girls. So it was such a perfect fit when we were contacted and asked to be partners uh, as a part of, you know, Music City uh, Grand Prix and the women in and uh, Women with Drive Summit in particular. Well, I definitely want to get back into uh, Play Like a Girl and its uh, relationship with motorsport, specifically your recent trip to the Indy 500. But for those listening that might not be familiar, what is Play Like a Girl? So Play Like a Girl is a nonprofit. Um, I founded the organization 16 years ago. Um, When we started out, the intention was not uh, to do the work that we're doing now, uh, but over time we've evolved, uh, really focusing on leveraging the natural properties of sport, those skills that girls get that can be transferred into the workplace uh, to help propel girls forward in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we've been in a really unique situation to be able to partner with brands like IndyCar um, to 
take girls behind the scenes uh, to see the other side of sport so that they also recognize that you don't have to necessarily be in front of the wheel. You can be under the hood. You can be you know, behind a desk. Uh, you can be the person who's responsible for the design and the graphics and all of the pretty things uh, on the side of sport as well. So really expanding the worldview for girls in terms of where sport can take them. That's what our mission is really about. In uh, 2004, when you started Play Like a Girl, I had read that uh, this was actually a, a project as part of your PhD. What about, um, what did you notice that made Play Like a Girl necessary? Well, one, I grew up in rural Mississippi, uh, right outside of Oxford, Ole Miss, in Batesville, mm -hmm. Mississippi, um, in the rural South. You know, I grew up middle class. Um, but lived a very modest lifestyle. Uh, and early in my life, I happened to, you know, and I always use this phrase, I was the fat girl in my family. I was the, the one who was more academically inclined. I was more into the arts, played piano, played flute. Um, and so found myself sitting more than I was active and physically, you know, moving around. Uh, and so started to struggle with my weight early in my life. And so, over the years, as, as I continued in my own career, I started my career at CDC uh, in Atlanta, of course, now everybody knows about CDC, uh, and went on to become an NIH-funded uh, researcher in cancer. Um, and so that's the work that actually brought Play Like a Girl to life, because we were specifically engaging women and girls, moms and daughters in particular, around physical activity and healthy eating. Because what we know is that the science shows that all roads lead back to physical inactivity in particular, with chronic diseases across the board from heart disease, diabetes, and also cancer, which often people don't even recognize. So it's a mixture of what we eat, but also a lot of how we move and if we move. And so that's really where we got our start. And we recognize that, you know, sport and active play could actually uh, do even more for girls and women over the life term. And so, you know, expanding that work beyond just a limited view on, you know, the health benefits has really, I think, opened opportunity for girls in a new way. So we still, you know, integrate health and health and wellness into our work. Uh, but we do so by, you know, again, engaging them in careers and exploring careers and role models and mentors who happen to be in health and medicine and nutrition. Um, one of the most fascinating trips we've taken the girls on uh, was to a local hospital where they actually got to suit up and go into, you know, the cath lab and the ER. They got to get on the back of uh, an ambulance and really understand the jobs on the backside of healthcare. Uh, we've also been able to take girls in a sport arena into the you know cafeteria with the uh, nutritionist and dietitian who actually come up with the meals for the players to ensure that they are healthy and the foods that they get to eat you know keep them performing at their peak in their sport. So there are just so many different ways that we can address health. Uh, within the context of a STEM career. And so we've been fortunate to be able to expand that work that started so long ago, um, just you know, squarely focused on the health benefit of, of physical activity to now uh, explore ways that girls can you know, take 
that knowledge, a healthy lifestyle that they've maintained themselves through sport participation into an actual career. Wow. I say this, seeing how you have just absolutely charged through your own destiny. Do you ever feel that if something like this would have been offered to you as a child, that uh, your path could have been different? Absolutely. In fact, we partner with uh, the San Francisco 49ers and I'm out there um, at least once a year. But um, I think it was 2019. You know, everything is a blur with COVID. But 2019, we had the opportunity to take one of our girls from Nashville who had never been outside of Nashville, never been on a plane uh, and and take her to uh, the San Francisco area and specifically take a tour of, you know, the Googles, the Apples, Facebook, uh, and their campuses, go inside of the buildings, explore, learn uh, from folks about their jobs. And honestly, I felt like the kid in the room uh, that day, because even though I do this work, and I was, you know, a scientist before doing this work, I saw it from such a different perspective that not only do I wish that I had something like this, but I recognize how far we have to go in the South. We have we have some growth, you know, opportunity, which is also what makes this work even the more meaningful because we've got these bright minds, these brilliant young women right here in our own backyard, and we are raising them up to be able to take us where we need to go as a region. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we get to contribute in that way. Um, And so I've seen the transformation. We're now starting to see our first set of girls go to college and actually major in a STEM degree. Um, And so, you know, that's one of the exciting things about the uh, golf tournament that we have coming up in in a week or so. We'll be awarding our first college scholarships to a number of girls uh, in memory of one of our longest standing um, uh, volunteers who started with me 16 years ago. She lost her battle to cancer. She was a physician trained at Meharry Medical School. Um, We went to college together. And um, again, really was open to being, you know, the opportunity for women to study her particular very rare cancer um, such that, again, others don't have to suffer in the same way. And so to be able to pay it forward now in her memory, like for me, that's why we do the work that we do. And, uh, you know, perhaps it was a part of the journey that I didn't have what I now can provide to other girls because it gives it more meaning. We take a quick pause here on the Women Shifting Gears podcast to hear from one of our sponsors, Crash Jewelry. Hi, I'm Christy Shimke, founder and designer at Crash Jewelry. We create sustainable unisex jewelry from discarded sheet metal that we've sourced from late model, luxury, and exotic cars. As a woman in the automotive industry, I'm thrilled to be part of the Shifting Gears family. Women supporting other women allows us all to thrive in this male-dominated community. We're also proud to offer a 15% discount to all Shifting Gears members. Just use the code GSC15 at checkout. There's been a, a push lately in mental health that's it kind of changes the conversation of what's wrong with you to what happened to you. I find that uh, shift there um, 
how much more responsible to the individual that could have come from, you know, not so safe of a background. I look at sport and whether it's the structure of sport or the guidance from the coaching of sport. Uh, and, and, and with Play Like a Girl in your community, you are directly changing the course of some of these girls' lives. Do you recognize that? Yeah. And, you know, that is, it, it's, it has pros and cons, right? It is on the downside, it's recognizing that we're limited in our ability um, to go as deep and wide as we'd really like to. Um, many people don't know, we run a really, really small and tight ship. Uh, it's me and an assistant, um, hopefully wow. very soon uh, with a new partnership, we'll, we'll be expanding to bring on more staff. But for 16 years, we have relied heavily on volunteers to do it. And so that has limitations in our ability uh, in terms of what we can do, how much we can do, and how many girls we can affect. However, the upside is that we have touched so many lives and changed the trajectory of so many girls' uh, lives who in particular, you know, would have been deemed hard to reach and difficult to teach, you know, um, that for them, uh, we've given them a glimpse into a world that they didn't know existed because there was no one who looked like them. Uh, in their world doing the things that they, some of them dreamed, but for most of them, they never dreamed about. So that's the miracle, right? And I think me being able to wake up every day and live my dream is that I get to help other people's dreams come true. And that's that's what keeps me doing it every day, you know, 16 years later. And as you say that 16 years later, and, and I'm, I'm sure with privacy, not to get too specific, but is there a success story that brings it all home for you? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, one of the the scholarship recipients uh, next week will be Hannah Selders. Uh, Hannah started with us in the fourth grade in Dallas, Texas. Hannah today is our college intern. <laughs> I can't believe it, you know, that we have done this work long enough to now start to see girls doing what it is we set out to do. And uh, she is, she along with so many other girls like little 11 year old Carwin Wilson here in Murfreesboro uh, who started her own business, funded by Play Like a Girl at 10 years old. Wow. Years old. Um, she and Hannah are, you know, they're, they're showstoppers. They're, they're both entrepreneurs. They own their own businesses. Uh, Hannah was very similar to Carwin. She started her business, you know, just as she got into the double digits as well. They're both creative. Um, Carwin's business is Rue by Carwin, which is a skincare line for girls. Uh, so there's science behind the work that she does uh, with her line. Uh, and then uh, with Hannah, she's an artist. She creates and she, you know, develops and designs everything from fashion to jewelry, you know, and that in the middle. So it's just amazing to see uh, a vision uh, come to life and now, you know, truly see young women doing the work that we aim to do. So for me, those are the moments that I live for, you know, just, oh, God, I can't imagine where Carwin will be 
uh, in a couple of years, you know, as a college student. Her dream is to be a NASA astronaut. I love it. And so, you know, again, I, I, it just it gives me chills knowing that we are truly making a difference and we're helping girls get to those dreams. That's that's why we exist. Well, I saw you all spent uh, the day at the track for the Indianapolis 500. What a, what a crazy, uh, I'm sure, first foray into motorsports. You go to the top of the list of the best event in the United States for the greatest spectacle in racing. I saw the post on Instagram, and it if I, I counted right, I, I saw at least 50, 50 young girls in that photo. But talk about that day and what led to that moment. So uh, it happens that we, you know, have worked with Bridgestone and we're just coming off of Women's History Month uh, doing some work with them and uh, we're introduced to their friends over on the Firestone side uh, who of course work very closely with IndyCar. Uh, And IndyCar was likewise also kind of starting to develop some ideas around how they wanted to uh, address the issue of gender equality and diversity inclusion uh, in their work. And uh, brought us to the table. It started with a conversation. And uh, here we are now looking at, you know, replicating that same event, same experience for girls in markets all across the country at other races. That day was so fabulous. So for us, we had done motorsport work prior to IndyCar, but we'd never actually gone to a race with the girls and been able to take them behind the scenes. And this was qualifying weekend. So it was all the hype because we had for the you know first time in a long time, uh, and in this race in particular, an all-woman or female forward team, right? From ownership to the actual driver. And again, the women behind the scenes, you know, making it happen, bringing it to the track. So for the girls to have that level of insight, um, that level of um, access on the back end, for Simona to be able to come and share, for Beth Peretta to be able to come and spend moments with the girls, you know, was, uh, again, another transformative moment because in your everyday life, I mean, of course, Amanda, you have been extraordinary life. But in most of our everyday lives, we don't get the benefit, right, of accessing women whom we revere or look up to in that way. And so that's the part I love about Play Like a Girl. It removes these barriers for girls uh, such that they're able to access information and opportunity and experience along with exposure directly, you know, in relation with women who are doing the thing that they seek to do. And most of these things, again, girls haven't even dreamt, right? They haven't even begun to conceive that I could someday drive a winning car on an all-male track. Like, that's not even a concept for most girls. So to be able to see it, we believe in that quote, if she sees it, she can be it. Mm-hmm. If she can see it, she can be it. Because that honestly is, is where it begins. Now it doesn't end there. So the representation piece though is critical and exposure is critical and the repeat effect of that is critical. And so a partnership with IndyCar and Firestone and our friends at Bridgestone has just been amazing uh, for the girls and for us as an organization as well. 
And uh, there was a, a lot of drama around that qualifying weekend with Simona and the challenge of of getting qualified. Actually, in the face of the adversity, the girls, they witnessed that firsthand, no? Yeah, yeah. So they got to sit in and watch the entire thing. Wow. They didn't get to come back on Sunday uh, when it all really went mm-hmm. down. Uh, but they got, you know, again, a sense of it, right? They, got, mm-hmm. they also got to see what the audience looks like under normal circumstances, mm-hmm. right? And begin to visualize themselves as changing uh, what the fan base looks like in motorsport as well. That I think that is a critical message, not only in motorsport, especially in motorsport, but mm-hmm. across all sport. Women are worth watching. Women are worth investing in. Women are worth paying equal pay to in sport. Uh, but it begins with women seeing themselves as part of the audience uh, and being there and being present and being uh, worth the investment of sponsors as well. And right. part of our messaging to our girls. So they got to experience it, you know, as spectators, but also starting to think about how they might, you know, change uh, what the makeup and demographic of, you know, a fan base looks like in motorsport in particular. And they say, you know, what I love about motorsport, uh, I work on the drag racing side uh, primarily, and then uh, many different series or several different series around that. Uh, but from drag racing to IndyCar, there's no physical limitations between male and female drivers. It's all about the opportunity and the ability to have the seat time. So yeah. to bring awareness around it and coupled with uh, charities like your own, that just furthers the conversation. Um, what did you gain from Simona watching her? You know, she is what I would clearly define as fierce mm-hmm. and fearless. Um, these are two principles we teach uh, at Play Like a Girl. We take our girls through a 10-week curriculum uh, and, you know, be fearless is one of the principles by which uh, we teach. And often there's the assumption that that means without fear. Yeah. <laughs> no, Simona, to me, represented doing it in the face of fear. Wow. That's what fearless and fierce is. And we can only imagine, you know, what she feels and what she faces in the driver's seat every single time, you know, she takes the track. She has to be fearless and fierce to be able to go back and do it over and over again. And with the heat of that particular race, that's what she represented to me is looking at your greatest fear, your greatest competition, your greatest hater, right? Sure. Uh, making them your motivator. I often say that. Um, and facing it head on and winning, you know, it's, it's part of what we teach our girls, you know, life is inevitably the engineering design process. You test Mm-hmm. and you test and you fail and you have to get back in the process of doing it again, testing and testing and testing. And ultimately you win. And part of what we know in the science of sport is that girls give up, girls drop out at twice the rate of boys as they enter high school. 
And part of our work is to prevent that because what we recognize is not because girls can't do it, girls can't stick with it. It's because girls lose confidence. Confidence plummets when, again, you don't see people Mm. on the court who look like you or people on the field who look like you or people in the driver's seat who looks like you on the track. Um, Confidence is so critical to our work. And we recognize that it also is the same in the science of STEM, is that girls, as they go into high school, they start to lose interest because a combination of representation or the lack thereof, uh, exposure, lack thereof uh, to women in STEM fields, lack of confidence, uh, or de- decrease in confidence, but also unique to STEM in particular is this issue of not even knowing the pathway, not knowing the pathway. So what we do is really help our girls to understand and see what the pathway looks like. One, that there are varying paths to a STEM career, um, that there's a vocational path, there's this post-secondary education path as well, and that we help our girls navigate there. Uh, But we also really stress in middle school getting it right such that they know that by high school, what courses to take. Because often, I believe, we're intervening much too late for many girls, especially for girls who come from, you know, underrepresented populations and backgrounds who don't have the same access and opportunity on the jump. So those girls need to get intervention much faster, much sooner in their trajectories. And so our focus is really about trying to get girls during those middle school years when they're still open you know, still available to listening to adults um, and, you know, helping to be shaped during that critical moment, Uh, but also during a moment when their development really requires strong self-efficacy and it's the thing that's, you know, at risk the most for most girls during that time. We're going to take a quick pause here on the Women Shifting Gears podcast to hear from our sponsor, Purvey Hare. I love supporting women shifting gears and champion females who charge hard in the left seat of race cars. My name is Shay Holsher and I'm the CEO of Purvey Products. My company makes salon quality hair care products. We are women owned and women run. Our products are powered by the highest quality, clean, natural ingredients on the planet. We believe women are changing the world. We give 1% of our revenue back to Project B Share, a nonprofit that supports women in need. Visit our website at purveyproducts.com and use the code LOVEPURVEY, all in cap, and save 30% on your first order. Just curious, I'm uh, I'm interested in your perspective on this. Uh, and I imagine this conversation has altered over 16 years with the advent of social media. Uh, how do you protect a girl's confidence or their, there's so much around uh, the comparison uh, that I can only imagine uh, you think of the fragileness of that age. How are you seeing that play out from your from your experience? Well, one, I have to admit that we are very fortunate. I uh, assumed because my boys had cell phones uh, in middle school. They didn't get social media until high school. But I assumed uh, two years ago and repeated that same assumption this year, Uh, by asking our girls to take out your phones to join our text club Mm -hmm. and no hands went up. Interesting. Okay. 
So it led to a conversation around why girls didn't have phones. Of course, the the answers varied, you know, from some folks couldn't afford it. Yeah. But for the majority, parents have made the conscious decision to not introduce cell phones, mm-hmm. which has prevented most of our girls from actually engaging in social media. So as we, you know, dev even closer, uh, deeper, asking them questions about their social media, for those girls who do participate, many of them share social media accounts with their parents. So it's, I think it's an interesting um, an interesting kind of phenomenon because there is so much talk, right, about the negative impact that social media is having, and it's real. Um, what I have experienced is more during COVID that kids now have gone to TikTok which has introduced a new kind of um, social media stressor for kids. Um, And it was more of what I heard from our girls and when we did our talk back and listen back sessions with them was really more about boredom and wanting to keep up with the other kids who were, you know, not complying with the social distancing and all of those things. So, you know, from our population of girls, we've not faced it. However, as a clinician, in social work. Um, I faced it, you know, in the early advent of social media when I was still seeing clients. Um, Again, you know, running groups with girls who were cutting themselves and, you know, participating in other uh, adverse and negative uh, behaviors. It was early. Uh, We didn't really know what to do with social media then. And now as I even reflect, I'm watching a special, I think, on Netflix uh, recently that's dealing with this very topic. Um, It's ever evolving. I think it's a challenge, but it takes, I think, from the example of our parents, really good, solid, Mm -hmm. strong parenting. Uh, But for those who don't have it, it takes us who are great role models to, you know, model good behavior. We're not always the best examples on social media either. Um, And so, you know, I personally really work hard to separate my person Uh, from my social media, you know, because I think um, so much happens on social media that really isn't the essence of the person. Uh, So we deal with media in general Mm -hmm. and how women are portrayed in media. uh, And social media is a part of that education that we do with the girls. Um, And so we talk about how we project, how others project onto us on on social media and media, uh, how we see ourselves in print media in particular, because most of our girls are either getting it through, you know, some of their magazines, which now have also gone digital. So, you know, we're, we're talking about that. So, you know, we are teaching, but also modeling the behaviors that we think are um, consistent with what we would like to see our girls live out in terms of our values as an organization. So uh, I think it's an ever evolving work that we have to stick to, but as adults, we've got to be the ones modeling the behavior. So true in those words. Be fearless. As a female entrepreneur, what do you struggle with in your own internal thoughts with that? Quitting. Quitting. It is, uh, I often say, to my closest friends, um, every day I want to put her to sleep. Her being play like a girl, like, you know, it's rough. You know, nonprofit work is a struggle anyway. 
but in the midst of a pandemic, um, my biggest uh, struggle and biggest goal was to survive COVID and keep my assistant employed because she took a chance on us before the pandemic. It was right six months before the pandemic, uh, even shorter, I think even maybe about four months before the pandemic. And I could not, I could not allow her to go hungry one day. And I have to say, I'm proud to have been able to accomplish that, to keep her employed during this most difficult time. So for me, you know, there are those moments when I feel like giving up just like everybody else, but like Simone, it's like looking at my greatest fear, you know, of, of not being able to uh, feed her and make sure that she had her needs met. And then a Sarah Fuller comes around in November and unbeknownst to me, puts play like a girl on her helmet, kicks in a yep. male you know, football game and raises over $30,000 yep. for play like a girl. That so fearless is indeed facing your greatest fear head on, doing it anyway, and being open to the fact that there is somebody in the wing, somebody in the wing, and often it's not someone we know about, someone you know who we planned and worked it out with, who is going to come through for us, it, even in the smallest and uh, most you know least likely way that they will use power, ability, and influence to change things for us even in, in the darkest, uh, most difficult moment. And that has been my testimony and my story for 16 years. I couldn't do this because the other part of the st story is that for 16 years, I've never received a paycheck. Wow. So I could not have done it if it weren't for the amazing volunteers, the amazing board members, all of the donors who over the years have funded my vision, my dream, and allowed us to do it and to make impact in the lives of their girls' lives. You know, it just, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Wow, well, it, it's it's so hard to keep these things at 30 minutes. I swear, I know I could talk to you for at least another 30. I do want to uh, get back to... Uh, Nashville, because this is so exciting, this partnership that's going to happen with the Big Machine Grand Prix Women with Drive Summit. Uh, that's going to be led by Lynn St. James, of all people, in conjunction with GS Events and uh, Cindy Sisson. Uh, when you look at all this stuff that's unfolding for Play Like a Girl and uh, even in your own life, um, just, you know, briefly talk about women that uh, over the last 16 years and even now that you've met along this journey. You know, um, I often credit um, a good friend, uh, Amy, in uh, California. Um, Amy happened to send me an email in 2014. She was the event uh, manager for the ESPNW uh, Women in Sports Summit. And that one email is what changed the trajectory for Play Like a Girl. Uh, you know, that email was something so simple. Again, nothing earth shattering, but the email was inviting me out to Orange County to participate in the annual summit. 
And it was to also inform me that Play Like a Girl would be recognized, me in particular, for the work that we were doing to keep girls active in sport. And it was not until 2014 in that email and all of the experience that followed that I ever even considered what we did or do to be sport. But when ESPN calls and says, you're doing work in sport, you start to rethink, oh my God, we have been doing work in sport for years. Uh, although again, my focus had been in the area where you know my comfort level was, which was on the physical activity side of it and um, public health. That was a shifting moment because that brought Play Like a Girl into a community of women in sport that, again, I had never been exposed to, had never even dreamed of for myself. So again, I get to live exactly what I'm saying we create for the girls because of other women in my life. And, you know, that was a defining moment that truly set us on a completely different path. Now, in the space of sport in particular, there have been women on the broadcast side, you know, from Jamel um, and all that she has done, you know, just in being a voice uh, for women who look like me, uh, a voice that, you know, again, in the Risked face- Risked her career for it. And that's what I was about to say is that in the face of hu a humongous criticism and risk, you know, was fearless uh, and, and took, took the shots that came with it, right? But still maintains her voice even today. Um, you know, on the, the court right now, Naomi Osaka, the girl knocks me off my feet. She knocks me off my really? feet. What, with what she's been able to do, elevating mental health, uh, in, in tennis right now, but in sport in general, um, elevates the conversation that we're having around women in sports uh, in spaces where it needs to go. In that same vein, one of the most amazing women right now in my life is a board member, Sarah Toussaint. She just joined the ownership uh, for the North Carolina Courage, along with yes. Naomi. So uh, she and her husband, who is a, a physician, uh, just invested and became part owners along with Naomi and, and a couple of others who are investing in the team. Talk about big moves. Talk about fearlessness um, to be able to go from, you know, her work is primarily by day in sport marketing for one of the biggest banks uh, that funds and supports and sponsors um, hockey, both women and men's hockey. Um, to, you know, leaving her hometown in Chicago, you know, a, a Latina woman educated at the University of, of Chicago uh, and find her way to sport marketing as a career and to now, you know, in her, you know, late 30s, 40 year old uh, years to own, mm -hmm. to be part owner of a women's soccer team. Like that to me is phenomenal. So it's happening even at the roots of our organization. So these are the women for me who keep me motivated and keep me keeping this work alive every day. Uh, because again, it is 
it's crazy what women are able to do. Well, I think when there's a lot of uh, virtue signaling that can be out in the world for people to put uh, not only their money, but their efforts uh, yeah. in where their uh, intentions are. Uh, it, it is, it does seem like it's all kind of coming together and uh, to be able to hopefully write it together. Uh, it, it's exciting to see what could potentially be around the corner. We'll be right back with you guys here on the Women Shifting Gears podcast after this quick word from our sponsor, the Circuit of the Northwest. Hi, I am Brian Nielsen, founder of Circuit of the Northwest, a world-class multi-use motorsports facility and racing destination located in the Pacific Northwest. I am proud to support the Shifting Gears community and their mission to get women in the left seat. It mirrors our mission, making the Circuit of the Northwest equal for all. Because, you know, the car knows no gender. A limited number of pre-construction founding memberships will become available in June at preferred rates at circuitofthenorthwest.com. Well, Dr. Kim, you have uh, survived uh, the first part of this journey. We do a thing here called the hot lap. So uh, to kick so you kind of know where we're going then. All right. You're taking a road trip. Where are you headed? Oh, gosh. Tulum very soon. Ooh, fantastic. What are you driving? Oh, it's got to be Delta or, or Are you driving that bird to Tulum? I see you. All right. What are you, yes. what are you listening to in your headset? You know, I'm loving Bruno always. Oh, yes. Um, I haven't gotten into the new group. Leave that door open. Yeah, he yes. killed it on that. Just yes. said the old Bruno is good. I haven't quite gotten into okay, the new group. Okay, so yeah. Maybe the new group. I don't even know their names yet. Uh, what's, uh, what road snack are you taking with you? Oh goodness. Turkey jerky. All right. Yeah. A spicy. Okay. I do like the spicy turkey jerky. All right. And, uh, dream car for you. Simona's car. Would you drive Simona's car? Ooh. (laughs) I'm fearful. (laughs) Fearful of that one. I'm a fast driver. Uh, and I drive a Tesla, which is my dream car. Hard. Uh, so you get people at the stoplights. Yeah, because I have the Falcon wings. Oh, yeah. Big, so, that's quick. Yeah, so that's a hard one when you drive it every day. All right. Well, you got your dream car. Good on you. Well, that uh, Big Machine Music City Grand Prix is uh, the first weekend of August, that uh, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 8th. The 8th is the race. Uh, The Women with Dry Forum uh, will mostly occur on that Friday. I do know that there is a dinner that is in the works on that Thursday night to kind of welcome everyone. And there's going to be some heavy hitters on those panels on Friday. So what an exciting event. I want to close here. I saw uh, on uh, your social media recently uh, a quote that said, there is purpose in the people you bring along the journey. Why did that quote speak to you? Because, you know, honestly, you know, as I reflect on the history of Play Like a Girl, it is because of the women who've taken me along on the journey that we've survived it. Um, I, I truly believe that as women, we have an obligation to take other women with us, uh, to make sure that when we get in the room, we've either made room or we've created the space for a woman to be there. Uh, And that when we leave that room, there's a secure seat at the table for someone just like us there. That's our work. Like, so for me, it's obligation. It's not privilege. It's not option. 
It is what we have an obligation to do as women. Uh, so taking women along with us on the journey, I believe is purpose and that's how we live out our purpose. Uh, so for me, women have done it for me and I truly hope that the work that we're doing at Play Like a Girl and my life's work has been about doing the same thing for the next generation of women as well. And the next and the next and the next in the ripple effect. Thank you, Dr. Kim. Thank you. The Women Shifting Gears podcast is produced by GS Events, a female-owned collective with a mission to amplify women's voices across the automotive culture. Follow along on our journey on Instagram and Twitter at the handle Women Shifting Gears or on the web at gsevents.live.